Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Today's message is actually uh, a little bit different because I just want to share with you kind of the, the heart and the vision behind what you're going to see over the next three months. Uh, I want to kind of talk to you guys. We've been talking about this aspect of kind of validating, and, and we've looked at validating uh, ladies and what God calls ladies to do in ministry. And you can go back to Mother's Day and listen to that podcast. And last week we were talking about our, our graduates and kind of launching them. And we've just been talking about this aspect of validation. And it all really boils down because of what I'm going to share with you today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. And I, I just want to simply share with you the first part before I dive into the actual, the message part of this, is one of the things that, that Amy and I struggle with on a regular basis uh, that's not really a struggle, and it's what I love that's in Philippians and the way Paul wrote it, is I don't know if you could ever love people as much as we love you guys. And sometimes we get worried, like, like I don't know if he's supposed to be like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, most people, when I was in ministry over the umpteen years and going to seminary, they almost wanted you to have this barrier, like they were wanting you to, to be careful and you can't really trust people and keep, and I'm like, I, you know, we, we all in this together. Like, we truly love you and you guys are amazing and you love us back. And I want to give you a biblical foundation of what I mean by that. And then I'm going to share with you just a few things about this summer. So if you are in your Bibles, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. And as I read this, I literally could verbatim tell you in my own words, this, this is what I would write. I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. Always in every prayer of mine, for all you are making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then I love verse 7. This was the release for me several years ago. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. I, I, I honestly am so excited about this summer, because the whole summer, and you heard Haley talking about it a little bit, we, we just going to love you. Like, we're going to do so many things trying to help you to realize how great other people are in this room, but we also want to do a lot of things to let you know how great we think you are. And we've got so many things planned as we kick off the Summer of Love next week that's just about loving you, loving each other, and loving God. And the thing that's real amazing to me is, is where the Scripture comes from when, when Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, writing to the Philippians, you know, he's doing this in a prison. And he's doing this out of a sense of, of something that he couldn't do. He longed to be with them so much, but he was in prison and therefore he couldn't be with them. And it makes me just one simple question. I promise there's going to come a time in your life that you're going to wish you could be with some of the people that you could be with right now. Like, can I talk to you for a minute about family? I know sometimes family can can drive you crazy, right? I know sometimes friends can drive you crazy, right? If you've got siblings, siblings can drive you crazy. Your spouse, not mine, may drive you crazy. Well, you want me to tell you what's worse? 
when they're no longer around. When a day hits that you weren't planning, you weren't expecting, or it may have been that it's just gotten to the end of the journey, and you realize at that moment you're never going to be able to allow them to drive you crazy again. And so it makes me wonder, how do we make sure we don't miss it? How do we make sure that in this, this crazy, messy, roller coaster ride that we call life, that we absolutely love, how do we make sure, even when it comes to church, how do we make sure that we don't look back five, ten years from now and go, boy, I wish I would have spent more time with blank, or I would have met blank, or I'd have gotten more plugged in with blank, or I would have done blank, or I'd have served blank, or I'd have been on a dream team with blank. So this summer, that's what we're going to focus on. And I want to share with you the, the catalyst of what this summer is all about. I share with you kind of my feelings. That's what kind of been gravitating and, and, and pulling us. But now go to the next few verses, and it, it's really, really, really good. Verse 8, for God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And then listen to this, and I'm going to read it out of the message. So this is the message. The me I always have to say this. The message is a paraphrase, all right? It's not a translation, all right? Translations mean that you take the original text, which in the New Testament would have been Greek. The Greek influence of that time has taken over. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, which was the Jewish language. That's where we get the word Yahweh. But in the New Testament, we have this Alexander the Great that's, that's really spreading his, his empire and all these things are taking over. And you have this major Greek influence in the biblical areas of time frame. And so the New Testament was written in Greek. And a translation is when you take the original Greek and you translate it into your particular language. That's a translation. That's the reason why I'm so big on the ESV, because it's a very direct translation. Uh, there's a lot more to that. I took many years of Greek. You say, what does it matter? It doesn't matter anything. I'm just letting you know there's a difference in a translation and a paraphrase. A paraphrase, the message that I'm going to read you, is somebody that took the English language in this translation, and he paraphrased it to, to hopefully help you understand it a little bit better. Is it a good tool to use? It's a great tool sometimes to emphasize certain things, but it's not where I would go to study God's Word. I would try to stay with a good, sound translation. But with this paraphrase, it fits so good this morning. Listen to what the message says. This is my prayer. Are you ready? So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life. Circumspect and exemplary a life of Christ will be proud of. Bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and the praise of God. Scott, you can leave that up there for the rest of the message because I want you to be able to look at it. 
And I want to take a moment, I want to show you a couple of things. Because it's a phenomenal concept when you look at this scripture. I will read the actual translation just so you can look at this, but here's what the ESV says. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellence, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praises of God. But in this message paraphrase, there's a few things that it says, and I want you to really hone in on this as we get ready to launch through this amazing summertime. The first thing it says is, I want to pray that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. I think a lot of people love a lot of things. But then there's a few things they love well. And I want to see us as we go into this summer, this summer of love, I want to see us not just to to love much. There's always room at the table for one more, right? But I want to see us, you and I, I want to see us love people well. Like most people love things that love them back, don't they? That's the reason why so many people love animals. Because no matter how you may treat them, they'll love you back. Example, go a few days with your spouse and forget to feed and let them out and see how they feel. But the dog just comes right back, doesn't it? Like they just, they just love to be loved and they will run and make you feel loved. Like we are real quick to love things that love us well. In fact, it'll determine how the relationship is. But my question is, what if we were the catalyst in the love relationship rather than something else being the catalyst? What if we not only learn to love much and learn to love more, but learn to love things well? And then it goes on to another thing that I think is so amazing. It's the second point. It says, learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. And then it talks about this aspect of of a life that Christ would be proud of. And I got on that, and I couldn't get past it over the last couple of days. I was like... You mean there is something that God wants for us that Christ would be proud of? And so it made me answer or ask one simple question. Well, what's he proud of? Like if I want to live a life that makes Christ proud, and and don't overthink that word proud, or don't think the word pride. I, I know what Scripture says, pride comes before the fall. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about a pride that that's self-indulgent, egotistical thinking more highly of yourself than what you ought, this is more of an affirmation where somebody says, hey, good job. Hey, I'm, I'm proud of the way you're doing this. And look at the three things. You're going to see them right there on the screen. Look at the three things that Christ gives that are things that you're proud of. When you're thinking about the way we're going to love each other, what we're going to do this summer, loving our community, loving each other, getting together, it says this, bountiful, in fruits from the soul. See, Jesus loves fruit. In fact, he talked about in the New Testament how to know the difference between somebody that's a false prophet and a true prophet. He says, you shall know them by their fruits. Jesus has always been consumed, but he not only wants you to be fruitful, he wants you to be bountiful. 
if, if you're in a garden season, then you are starting to see a little bit of the, of the fruit coming up on plants. If you garden, you're going out to the garden and you're trying to water it and you're like, wow, I wasn't planning on it being 93 degrees in May, but hey, we'll just let this thing have more water. And you're starting to see all of these things popping up on all these plants, whether it be peppers or tomatoes or beans or whatever it may be, or the corn sprouting up. And you're, you don't maybe see all of it, but you can see that something's taking place. And all of a sudden, it's amazing because if you leave the plant alone and don't do anything with it, it's going to die and what you see right now is all you're going to get. But the amazing thing happens in a garden if you pick it. If you pick it, it produces more. And the more you pick it, the more it'll produce until it's end of its time. In fact, you'll get to a point normally with a garden. It's not that the garden quits producing. You get tired of doing it. Eventually, you're just like, look, if anybody wants some of this, come over and get it. Go over there. Because, you, I mean, you're, you just, you're picking and it's producing more and more and more and more. And the more that it's picked and harvested, the more it keeps producing. Imagine that and looking at your own life. And what Jesus wants for your life is he wants you to be bountiful with its fruits. So you know what that means? You can't have all the fruit hanging on your own vine. You've got to let it be picked and given to somebody else. See, if you want love to really grow and be, be, you know, to go out throughout all different types of places, then what you have to do is you've got to allow yourself to be put in a situation where some other people are picking off of your life. And they're picking some of the fruit off of your life. And after doing that, what's going to happen is what you think is, oh, my goodness, but I don't have very much to give. You don't right now. But the more you start giving this away and allowing people to pick off of your life, God's going to say, okay, now, now I can get you to produce more. It's the same sort of a concept. And then the second thing that I really, really liked was this, making Jesus Christ attractive to all. Now, in church life, we don't like this at all. I will go ahead and tell you, most people will not really like the way I'm, and the thing that I'm about to say, but I need you to, to hear me to the full extent. What he is talking about is the way that you love people when you say with your mouth that you're a follower of Christ, the way you love people will determine what they think and the attractiveness of Jesus in their life. I'll give you a best example. A lot of people, when you ask them about going to church, if they don't go, they say what? Well, I, I used to go to church, but I don't go anymore because... Those people are a bunch of hypocrites. Or I got burnt. Or I got hurt. Or I got... Anybody ever dealt with that? Raise your hand if you ever had somebody say that to you. Isn't that amazing? My, my favorite illustration growing up was from the Cosby show. This is back when Bill Cosby had not made poor decisions. And... Vanessa, his daughter on the Cosby show, brings home a fiance that Dr. Huckleby had never met him or his wife. And so they're eating dinner and, and, and there's just this struggle. Like they're just like like Vanessa's upset and this guy's trying to be polite and and and, and Dr. Cosby, he just he is not liking this at all. 
and he is so upset. He's being rude. He, he's kind of pushing him off. And eventually they're sitting down for dinner, and, and the guy who is the fiancé to Vanessa that just so happens to be about 15 years older than her, and finally he just stops in there and he goes, have I done something wrong? I really feel like you don't like me. And Bill Cosby's character looks at him and says, you know, you've not done anything wrong. He said, and I don't like you, but it's not your fault. See, it's Vanessa's fault. And this guy's looking at him, and he says, and let me explain to you why. He says, what's your favorite food? And he says, well, I mean, I don't know. I like. He said, no, no, seriously, like, what do you like? He said, steak. He goes, okay, you like steak. He says, how do you like your steak? He says, oh, I, I, I like it. He says, oh, he said, imagine I fire up the grill and I get you a steak. You like a T-bone? I get you a big T-bone, thick T-bone. We put it on there. We're grilling this thing. We're making it perfect. It's medium. It's juicy. It's flowing. You can smell it you, like you can crave it. And he's got this mental picture. Are you with me? Because we're going to eat lunch here in a minute, right? He's like, mm, buddy, this is good. And he said, do you want a baked potato? He said, yes, sir. I'd like a baked potato. He said, great. What do you want on your baked potato? He said, butter and sour cream. He said, great. He said, you want a salad? Sure, I'll take a salad. He does this whole meal. He's got this guy salivating, and they're talking. He's like, yes, this is great. He said, now imagine I get everything ready, and it's exactly your favorite meal, exactly what you want. And right before I bring it into you, I reach over to the trash, and I grab the garbage can lid, and I put the steak and the potato and the salad, and I bring it and present it to you. He said, do you still want it? And this young man's talking to Bill Cosby. He said, well, uh, no, not really. And he looks at it. It's the greatest line in the sitcom. He said, see, it ain't your fault. Vanessa brought you in on a garbage can lid. I think a lot of us put Jesus on a garbage can lid. He is the Lord and Savior of the world. He can and will do anything he needs to do. And the reason why some people don't have a relationship with him or don't pursue him and are not active in church is one simple thing. It's not because of who he is. It's because of the way we're presenting him. We're putting him on a, on a stinky, nasty garbage can lid. And then wonder why people don't want to listen. That's what this scripture is talking about. Loving people in such a way that it makes Jesus attractive. That's what we're going to do this summer. We're going to love each other in such a way through so many different things that we want to make not only each other have a great summer, but we want to let other people understand that this Jesus thing is real and we're going to get him off the garbage can lid. And then the last part, the third thing, and then I'm done. Getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. Getting everyone. So, so can I stop for a minute and, and say this as lovingly, as kindly, as encouraging out of my love for you, my desire is for every one of you 
to have meaningful relationships in this church. I don't want anybody, not a single one, to feel like, well, I just, I just really couldn't get plugged in. I just, you know, I just couldn't really find somebody. I just couldn't, I, I never found my person, you know, like my, I, I want some friends. Like, look around the room for a minute. It, it, seriously, like, look around. Don't look at me. Look around the room. You know what you're seeing? A bunch of people just like you. Do you know what they want? Relationships. Can I tell you what the, what the most ironic thing I deal with on a regular basis as a pastor? Everybody wants relationships. But yet nobody can find them. Like, you guys are amazing. And you all have, I'll talk about me, okay? I desire relationships. You say, Mickey, how do you find them? I have no idea. When I look around this room and I think about the relationships that we have individually, I'm not that smart to orchestrate that. I don't even know how it happened that we met. Maybe it was on a softball field. Maybe it was on a golf course. Maybe it was at a Bible study. Maybe it was at a football game. Maybe it was at a chaplaincy that I was doing. Maybe it was at a restaurant. Maybe it was through somebody else that you knew that said, hey, you need to come. I don't know how we met, but I know this. None of us met staying where we are, waiting for somebody to come get us. In fact, I don't know of anything in my life. I want to say this carefully. I ain't mad at you. I love you. I'm talking to me. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. You're just overhearing myself talking to myself, all right? I don't know of anything in my life that was of great worth that fell in my lap, me sitting in my chair at my house doing nothing. I don't know of anything. When I was a student, I never made amazing friends sitting in my house doing nothing. But it was amazing when I, when I stepped out and I got involved in stuff. All of a sudden, I, I stepped out and, and went to this thing called school. Didn't want to do that. Come to find out there's a law. It says you have to. So you know what I did? I went to school. And I met some of the most amazing friends I'd ever have. And in the process of having those friends, I went to this thing called church. Now, like school, I didn't want to be there either. Now, there wasn't a law that said I had to be there. There was a mama. And she said, guess what you're going to do? And when my dad passed away, I, I literally about fell out. I didn't know they had, they had church on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And, and they, my mom's like, we're going to go to church on Sunday night. I was like, well, church on Sunday night? Like, we, we've already went. To, like, we checked that off. We already did that this morning. We ain't got, well, no, no. And we're going to go on Wednesday night. I was like, Wednesday night? They got church on Wednesday night? And then they have these things called revivals where you'd go every night. 
about a year into this, I'm trying to figure out, like, something's got to give. Like, this is not working really well. And so the two things that I was finding myself building the most relationships were the two things that I didn't want to be at, school and church. But you know what? I did it. Listen to me. I know you're busy. I know, especially in 2022, like, like even though we still have kids that are younger, it's amazing how different it is just between Brian being nine and Easton being 21 and the difference in what's happening and how busy people are. But can I, can I encourage you with one thing? The people in this room, I'm telling you from experience, are worth your time. And I think that you'll find out this summer, through some of the things that we do, that you're going to find some relationships that you're going to go, I can't believe. I've been sitting in the same room with the same person for a month, a year, or two years, and never realized how amazing they were. So all I want to do today is just tell you two things. Number one, I truly love you. I'm looking forward to this summer. Not because... I just have all this free time, and I sit around the house, and I'm going, well, I'm bored out of my mind. What am I going to do? No, no. I'm truly excited because I know that we've prioritized some amazing moments, not just to worship on Sundays, but to also do some things outside of here to build some amazing relationships. And I want you to know I'm excited because I love you. And I pray for you literally every day. And just like the scripture says, it, it's not a prayer like, oh, Lord, it's, it's me again, and I'm praying for, you know, them knuckleheads over there. Why did you call me to do this? No. Like, my prayer is like, Lord, I am so thankful. Like, I, I just, just pray. Just keep them one step lower than wisdom before they figure out that I really shouldn't be doing this. Because I like doing what I'm doing. Like, I love them, and they, like, it's awesome. But the other thing I'm going to encourage you with is not only do I love you, but God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that not only did he send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, but he orchestrated your steps to get into the most amazing group of people called his church. And so can I pull on you a little bit? I don't push, because if you push, you're in the wrong part of leadership, right? You're trying to put somebody where you're not. Now, I want to pull on you. I want to I take you with me. Listen to me. At the end of this summer, if you're in the same spot that you are right now, with relationships and friendships in this church, I want to very lovingly, kindly, supportive tell you, it's going to be your fault. But if you want to go experience what we're talking about in the scripture, man, have I got a summer for you.
called the summer of love. And we're going to crank it up next week. And I look forward to seeing you. And I look forward to meeting some of your friends that you're going to bring. Because what's going to happen is when they see you in the way you are being loved, in the way you are loving other people, in the way you're taking it off of a garbage can lid, they're going to say, man, I don't know what that, but I need to, I'd like to get some of that, please. So get ready. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.